Steve Comstock went from simply wanting to be an Uber engineer to the role of CIO at CBS Interactive, where he managed the media conglomerate's entire digital enterprise. After more than eight years with CBS, Steve recently left the company to pursue new opportunities. On this special two-part episode of IT Visionaries, Steve generously shares all of his experiences working his way up the IT ladder, including how he first got into technology, what it's like to be in charge of streaming multiple Super Bowls and other major events, plus the challenges of the role of CIO and the future of digital media and much more. Here's part one of our conversation. This podcast is sponsored by the Lightning Platform by Salesforce. Salesforce just introduced the Lightning Platform Mobile, the low-code mobile app development platform that empowers anyone to easily build, publish, and manage AI-powered mobile apps for employees and for customers. Find out more at salesforce.com slash build mobile apps. Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And in studio, Steve, how's it going? Groovy. How you doing? Good. We also have a special guest off mic, uh, currently either on Instagram or Snapchat, a secret guest. <laughs> she threw up a peace sign. It's, it's Steve's daughter. <laughs> it's Kira Comstock. Make, making sure her dad's working. Yeah, exactly. She's going to correct everything I say later on the drive home. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I used to spend, uh, my dad, my, my running joke when I was growing up was, um, he had his own business and he, we would drive around on his car and drop off like wheelchair parts and accessories and all sorts of stuff, different areas in the Bay area. And, uh, the running joke was that, uh, you can either do your schoolwork or you can work with me on the truck. And, uh, so, um, yeah, it's good. It's amazing how good schoolwork starts to look like, yeah, right? Exactly. Right. Yeah, so we, you know, we we're super excited to have you on the show. You recently uh, left as CIO of CBS Interactive, and we wanted to hear a bunch of stories of the of the time that you had there and stories from your career. And then uh, we'll talk a little bit about what it's like kind of working in media and being a CIO there. Going to do a little employee productivity challenges, failures, and uh, and we'll see where this takes us. But first, how'd you get into IT? Well, the jokes would be I did something really bad in a past life, <laughs> but uh, that's my, my friends probably don't think that's funny. Um, I really started off as an engineer and I ended up in IT because I really wanted to be the best engineer possible. And I felt that the the way to become that Uber engineer was to start learning different components of technology, learn operating systems, learn networking, learn databases, learn web technology, whatever. And so I started, I, I shifted my career from an engineer into a sysadmin role and learned just a ton of different OSs and really started diving in to learn how, how do you script. And my, I had a good friend of mine that we would have competitions. He would script, I would code to see who could do the that's crazy do do the best uh, automated system and he would always win in speed i'd always win in elegance oh nice yeah so unfortunately the the goal was speed not elegance so uh, i always had to buy the beer but <laughs> you just you kind of just started to learn and and i wanted to know each step and and really understand how all these things kind of were put together so when i was going to go back to my engineering career and and become that uber engineer i could really design really nice, elegant systems. I could understand how to maximize everything underneath it. Funny enough, I never got back to it. 
Mm-hmm. I, uh, I just started just moving up the chain, started moving up the ranks, started doing a lot of different things, especially when I was at Oracle around, you know, eat your own dog food. I was the person serving the dish. Mm-hmm. And, and it was fun in that you had to, you had to be really savvy about what you were trying to do and how you deployed and how you worked with the engineers to show them, okay, this is how this stuff really, this is how we're really going to use it. Right. Um, not how you designed it. It's how we implemented it and all the things you learned on the way. And then started to really, really enjoy that. Started getting in the collaboration space, started getting into the web space. Uh, we won't say how old I am, but it's, let's just say it was early days. And then you got into the mobile space and, and started really diving deep on how all this technology worked together. And the thing I always found interesting was, okay, technology is really cool, but technology without culture is just technology. So it's like, you can deploy all this technology all day long, but if you don't have something around that, that helps someone become better, do their job better, move faster, uh, become more productive, you're not doing anything. So, you know, you have the advent, we all look at our iPhones as the most amazing thing we've had, you know, the mini computer, or if you're an Android person, I'm sorry, but it's, um, but really it was Blackberry. Blackberry was, was the crack. It was the crackberry originally that you could start getting your email and you started really taking the office with you and how do you move that productivity forward? So anyway, long story short, I started moving down that path and then decided that Oracle had grown significantly from the time I started to the time I left. And I knew at that point I was never going to get to get deeper into the kind of the business aspects of, of, of businesses like sales, marketing, pipeline, stuff like that. So I left, went and joined a company called SendMail, did their customer experience and uh, VP of engineering at one point, but was actually part of the executive team, which was so cool that, you know, and I thank them for giving me that opportunity because I was able to then learn, this is what a sales pipeline looks like. Yeah. This is what you know, uh, a marketing persona looks like. This is how we would do product. This is how we do this, that, and the other, which gave me a whole new appreciation for the other side. I actually became a much gentler IT person to vendors. Yeah. Once I saw the sales side of things and understood that, you know, you got to do the prospecting and qualifying and, you know, it's, it's a really, really hard job. Yeah. The, the running joke that we, with the CIO round table, was uh, that we're talking a bunch about vendors? Is that vendor is is the name that you call call them when they're not when it's not working? Right. And partner is the one that you call when when it is. Right. right. Yeah. Your partner partners when you look like a rock star. Yeah. Vendor is like when you're just getting Poke. a phone call from your CEO that things aren't working well. Yeah. Poking them in the eye. You're right. Exactly. So that was a great opportunity, and I it was uh, it was a it was a fun job. I learned I learned a ton from the from the business aspect of it, and then decided really my my roots were in operations and IT and and went back and joined CBS Interactive and was CBS Interactive up until about November this last year and that was just it was it was kind of a just a, a culmination of different things as 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 I grew where I felt like once I got to the CBS Interactive role I was in a mature spot where I understood technology mm-hmm. that wasn't hard and I kind of understood how to build tr- strong teams, but now I had the business acumen as well. It's like, are we really implementing this to to move our company forward? Is this a technology that's really going to help us take it to the next level? And and for those who don't know who CBS Interactive is, CBS Interactive is the digital side of CBS. So when you think of 
like a Netflix, like CBS has their uh, CBS All Access, which is a direct to consumer mm-hmm. with originals, you know, go Star Trek, Discovery. It's like five bucks a month, right? So yeah, it's like, it's six bucks subsidized with uh, commercials. I think it's nine ninety nine without. Mm-hmm. Our sister, our sister division Showtime as well. We worked very closely with them on launching their, uh, God, there's so many different names. I think Showtime Anytime, Showtime, yeah. uh, pick one, uh, same thing same idea, but really working on that digital side where, where it was very interesting. We, you have the kind of the old school broadcast who'd been around for 60 years or so. Yeah. Right? I, I saw a documentary the other day about the opening of Disney World and how ABC did the first remote camera people at the opening of Disney World. And, you know, things were failing and they had no sound, had no picture, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, that was Lord knows how long ago, right? Yeah, that's I, crazy. Well beyond our time. But then we're in the digital age now where they've, they've matured all this tech and it still fails. It's, you know, how many times are you watching Comcast and it goes out or- Totally. Or over the air and all of a sudden you get the, you know, the test screen. But the expectation from the digital side is since it's technology, it's always going to work. Oh yeah, it works. Yeah, it, of course. It, of course. It's, it's going to be easy. It's going to be brilliant. It's going to, it's basically you just, you know, plug that computer in and then you have- two million subscribers coming and everything works perfectly. And so at this point, are you running, like, are you, are you focused on keeping that stuff live? Like when the, you know, when it's March Madness and, you know, people are trying to crash the site because you have so many people trying to stream, like, are you involved in that? How are, how are you involved? We, we were, uh, the streaming of March Madness I think is with TNT now or Turner. Oh, is it really? Yeah, it, we had it. We had it originally, and it was just that keeping all those streams alive, looking at traffic. That was early days. What uh, about the Masters? That had to be. No, let's go. Let's go bigger, brother. Let's go Super Bowl. All right. Oh, all right. Right. I've done two Super Bowls and then prep for this third Super Bowl that CBS just had because they have it every three years. Yeah. And the the funny thing about the Super Bowl or let's say the interesting about the thing about the Super Bowl from a tech perspective is each of us are watching the one previous to see what they did, to see if we can go up a level, yeah. go up a level. So I remember my first Super Bowl, you know, we were, we had iPads and we had laptops and then you had five different screen angles plus a coach's angle. Yeah. And I think we did burn in ads. I can't remember. And then you fast forward three years we were on 12 different platforms. We put the last platform online about a day or two before the Super Bowl. Wow. We had ads that were dynamically inserted yep. during the game. And, you know, the volume of traffic was exponential. The traffic that was on the, the playoffs was actually more than the super, my first Super Bowl. Oh, my gosh. Right. And so it just gets crazy and it just goes up and up and up and up and up. And there's a, there was a lot of interesting things that we learned in that process. So the Super Bowl, it's kind of fun to have this on your resume. And I know there's a few of us out here who do, but it's you can say, well, this is the Super Bowl of events for us. I'm like, <laughs> well, I've done the Super Bowl of events called the Super Bowl. And, oh, and it's pretty doggone brutal, right? I mean, it's the big, I mean, it's the biggest media event of the year every year for the past how, how many years? Uh, yeah, I what we're on, what was it, 53 yeah. this year? Right? I mean, it's got to be, I mean, I don't know, you know, early days, uh, how many viewers that, but it has to be the most televised event, at least for the past. Yeah. And you have, you have an eight hour window where you can make or break it from, yeah. from a financial perspective. And, and you, any, any downtime, any impact, any quality issue, anything during that period is just 
teeth grinding. Yeah. It, it's just catastrophic. Catas- it, it really is. And it's, it's, and so you have to plan, you have to think ahead, and then you're dealing with the technology that's brand new uh, or some of the technology that's still brand new, still being vetted, still maybe not 100% there. And then you really don't have an idea of the, of the volume because uh, the, the volume on the Super Bowl is really based on who's playing. Yeah. Right. And, you know, the first few minutes could really dictate how many people are going to show up. And this last year when it was just like, the slowest game it's like three three or whatever yeah right it's like it's like oh i mean it's you know and you're dying for that big traffic but you can't actually do anything about that because because it's it's already done and just we're you can't tell on the mic but we're kind of smiling because my daughter just went to sleep take a nap the teenagers love technology let me tell you she's she's out Did Um, did you watch super bowl this year Oh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. But th- that was one of the interesting things we learned. Uh, I'm just going to move on. She sleeps through everything I say. <laughs> uh, but the, the thing, the most interesting thing about it is, is we learned how to manage towards volume. And when we were first starting to do this, the way we were starting, we were trying to determine how many viewers would show up. You got the Grammys, you have the Masters, you have March Madness, you have the Tonys, just joke. We have the Tonys, <laughs> but that's like a 3-3 Super Bowl game. You have the Super Bowl, you have the elections. The, the Super Bowl could be 0-0 zero, zero for the next 10 years and it would still have more viewers than <laughs> the Tonys. Yeah, probably, right? No offense to the people who love the Tonys. See, Shout out that, to that's, that's Karen and I. We love the Tonys. We, we would love to be there, but it's but anyway, it's a hard ticket to get. But we, we learned and through that process of because it's a it was a real big collaboration between everybody involved, everyone from marketing to sales to ops to engineering, the whole bit of, okay, how much volume are we going to get? And what do we think that volume will be? Blah, blah, blah. And we started working off it like that, where we, you know, we would run into issues, you know, some of them are public, where we either underestimated, overestimated mm-hmm. or whatever. And it was really just a darts game at that point. And we we had the epiphany that this is the wrong way to do it. The way we should have done it and the way we ended up doing it is you push the system to see how far it can go and you know where the green, yellow, red is. And then you continually test, continually push. We moved to an SRE model where we'd have service level objectives and knowing like, for instance, like for our all access product, it was you had to be able to get a subscription. Yeah, You had to be able to log in. You had to be able to find a video. You had to be able to watch a video. Those four things, and I'm sure there's a few more, but those four things are critical. If you can't do those four things, you're out. Yeah. Thumbs up, thumbs down, star rating. You know, my peers are probably going to come throw a party for me later, but who cares if that goes down? Yeah. Right. That's not going to affect your experience. It might affect your experience, but it's not going to make you move on to a different platform because there's a lot of different platforms you can watch content. And so we started measuring those things and we just pushed those things, pushed them as far as we could go. And then we knew at that point, okay, at a green level, we can go this big, which means this much traffic. And we can, we used um, like Google search per second metrics to compare. So it's like, how close are we to Google search per second and the internet? And that gives you an idea of how close we got. And then what's yellow? Okay. What's the plan for yellow? Do we shut down key functions? Do we add more systems? We, we built out auto scaling. Just as I was leaving, we were building out auto scaling out of Google. 
also out of Amazon to expand quickly. Yeah. What do you do? Because uh, then you got networking as well. And the other, the other thing too is how did you measure and determine where the problem really is? Because what it could be is it could be the last mile for you right here, mm-hmm. right? It could be from you know, here out to the street or whatever that is having a problem has nothing to do with us. So how do you put measures in place to dictate, okay, all right, it's actually a local Comcast issue versus a CBS issue. And- See, that's the, that's always the thing that I wonder, like as a viewer, mm-hmm. like what is, no offense to Comcast, but like, what is Comcast screwing up here? Is that, are you the problem or is the channel the problem? Right. And you get, you run it. Yeah. And you run into brand problems with that. Right. Cause it's usually, cause, yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause you're, you're a very savvy consumer that would think of that. And I'm not dissing any consumers out there, but you want to watch a fight. You want to watch a game. You want to watch a show and it starts getting pixelated or the site browns out or you get timed out or whatever. You don't know that it's Comcast IP in Philadelphia went down Yep, and no one's getting in because the fight was so big that it overwhelmed the internet. You know, the joke was we broke the internet. If the day we break the internet, it's a good thing, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? So it's, you know, Netflix has done some pretty interesting things on how they did it. They mainly do, you know, just straight up video. They don't do live. Mm-hmm. So that's gives them an advantage because then they can put, you know, local CDNs everywhere and, and really optimize their, their traffic. But you get into a live situation, you can't buffer all the live because you don't know what's going to happen. You can maybe buffer 30 seconds, but you don't go longer than that. Well, and you have this situation, you know, like we talked to um, the makers of Pokemon Go. Get a nothing. No, um, she's still asleep. Yeah. Uh, did you play Pokemon Go? <clears throat> I used to. Okay, there you go. Uh, so we talked to the CTO of uh, Niantic. We're talking about how when that took off for them, they're doing like millions of downloads a second, right? Yeah, right. And they're like, Ne- never thought that this was going to happen. Like, what do we do? Right. Sort of thing. But I think that what's so interesting about what you're just saying is like, yeah, the game's 3-3, right? But then, or in basketball, it's like, then Steph Curry starts to go off in the third quarter and you have this massive spike that potentially you didn't see coming. And one of the things, I know you weren't there for this, but this Masters, you know, mm-hmm. was Tiger. Oh, a Tiger. Oh, a yeah. day four of Masters. And, uh, you know, I, I've watched the Masters on the interactive side probably for the past four or five years uh-huh. and the functionality to the viewer is so good now i mean you have the leaderboard at the top you can do amen corner you can do all this stuff i think you, i think they do i think there's like five different shots now yeah uh, or feeds it's a phenomenal experience it's really really good i mean and so when tiger was there this year you know it had to be it had to be perfect because they knew they were going to get a massive amount of volume on that day for it had to be yeah you know the highest it's years. called the tiger effect yeah yeah there we, you we, go. we we would watch it uh on the masters of back in the day when it, he was kind of iffy of whether he was going to show or not it's like is tiger playing is tiger going to make it did he qualify what's what's the story because if yeah. he's in it viewership is totally different than if he's not yeah right? totally yeah it's it's he's good for business he really is but i always thought that like how they layered in year after year, those things that really make it a phenomenal viewing experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think that those are, that's the fun side. I'm curious to how much you worked with 
you know, your CTO, your the, you know, I don't know if you all had a, a CIO of, of CBS Corporation that you partnered with. Like, what was the kind of dynamic there? Like, what were you working on versus other people versus like roles and responsibilities on how to build for, you know, customer experience or viewer experience or advertiser experience versus all that? Uh, it was a lot of blocking and tackling. So it was all the digital side was in the digital digital division. So we would, I would partner with the heads of engineering of each of the the main group news, primarily what where you're talking about is news, sports, and entertainment, and then the the head of advertising, mm-hmm. uh, digital advertising, and then really partnering up with partners. You know the, yeah. the 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 big you know Google and those guys. You know making sure that they have a phenomenal experience as well, hmm. because you get into this question always build versus buy, right? And mm-hmm. you know you could build stuff, but you can't build it as phenomenal as say at Google could. Yeah. But you want them to be just solid. So you, are you, you talking know, Google Cloud? Who are you talking? Google like DFP, oh. like the 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 ad systems yeah. coming it, out of it. Google, Google Cloud, you know, working closely with them. But to build those experiences, it's you got product involved and it's like, you know, A B testing and, and what works, what doesn't. And then some things you just can't it's crazy to say, but some things you just can't test for. Yeah. Super Bowl, you can't test for. Yeah. We were trying to figure it out before I left of how we could load test our sports site because mm-hmm. it was streamed from both CBS Sports and All Access. This I year. used All Access this yeah, year. Yeah, boy. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being a customer. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's like, okay, the volume that's going to come from the playoffs versus the Super Bowl, but how can we test the sports and, these new features that come in and what's the backout plan if the features don't work because it mm-hmm. might be just a it might be the first release like the masters to your to your point is that's a once a year event yeah right and so those new features functionalities are put in tested as best as we can to what what could happen but we don't know right you could use the product a completely different way and so what's the plan to make sure again that from an SLO perspective that you can see amen corner you can you can follow Tiger. Mm-hmm. You can. What What are the things that are going to improve your experience and keep you on the site? So, from an advertising perspective, you're still seeing ads, which generates revenue for us. If you're on all access and say so you're commercial free, that you can still get in because ads don't mm-hmm. don't supplement us there. But it's like, how do you keep that revenue stream going? So it's 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 kind of a yin yang. It's like, okay, I want that best experience for you because. The longer you're on the site, the longer you're watching that show, the longer you're watching that sporting event, the more ads you might see, which generates more revenue for us, which Mm -hmm. puts a bigger inventory in place for sales to sell to that helps us make numbers and and improve, right? And it's it's, it's really kind of an interesting thing. Or if you're a commercial free, then it's about churn. How do I give you the best experience so that you as a commercial free member Mm -hmm. can find what you want quickly and not lead the site and get the data analysis around it to say, okay, he's been watching Star Trek or Twilight Zone or Strange Angel or, or whatever and, and start getting the, the analytics around it to determine, okay, what's the next show you fund? What's the next show that might be a, a winner versus a dog? And then what shows are trending? And then back to your original questions, then the interesting from, thing from the digital side is we have very, very explicit metrics that we collect or that we can get, right? We know, I mean, there's a lot of privacy things around it, but we know that you watch this show. 
right? It, versus broadcast, they kind of guess based on household yep, and absolutely, and do some kind of witchcraft with some burning sage and you know maybe waving a dead chicken, <laughs> and but but we know exactly, so we can start feeding back to corporate through systems to say, okay, hey, this show, you know. I was going to say Days of Our Lives, but I don't even know if that's a CBS show. But it's it's trending really high. A lot of lot of people on this episode. Days of Our Lives, really trying to be topical here, Steve. That's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. A lot of our listeners really tuned in. Yeah, on Days of yeah. Our yeah Lives. I, I, I know the one show that's not or that airs if it still airs that airs during all of our work hours. All of our work hours, and you know, you know how many phone calls I get from other CIOs saying, "Hey, could you tell me how to block Days of Our Lives from yeah, our, exactly. our system to keep us from overwhelming our network?" Actually, we used to get those calls for March Madness. It was kind of funny. That's hilarious. Shame on all of those people. Yeah. You should not be blocking any March Madness. It would be the calls of like, what can we do? Could you give us some hints on how to block it? And we're like, yeah, I'm doing the emoji shrug. You yeah. can't see me. I'm like, I don't know how to help you. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. You know, we're friends. We're friends until this day. And then you might That's not criminal. like me. God forbid people have fun on at work. <laughs> I know. My goodness gracious. Heaven forbid. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but it's, uh, you get all the stats and, and really working in the early days, we, we had a corporate CTO who had vast responsibilities, everything from broadcast studios to old brick and mortar to old cables to, if, if you ever take a tour of how, how studios really operate, it, it's fascinating how many old technologies they use. It's almost like the old telephone plug into the wall type thing because you might have someone from Afghanistan calling in yeah. or whatever, right? You got to make sure you can get those calls through. So he was he was dealing with all that. And the digital stuff was so new and we had to take a ton of, ton of risk that he was more than happy to help. but was also happy to just let me kind of go and, and, and kind of work with the engineering teams to just pave a path and then tag him in as I needed. And so that was really fun. And then a new CTO came in and all of the reporting structure moved up to them, which is great because a lot of this has already started to mature mm -hmm. at this point. We we found a lot of the the flaws and the and the bugs in the system. You know, I got I got scars to show for it, and we're able to get it to a stable place that now, I won't say it's cookie cutter because it you, there's always different failures. You're always pushing it, like you said with the masters, all the different stats and everything else. But the tech base technology has matured, yeah, which is which is great and. And now it's okay, what's next? You know, what what's the next big thing that we, we want to accomplish? You know, I have a knit to pick here. Okay, knit away. And this is not necessarily CBS per se. Um, it's actually most of the time ESPN. When they have- well, let's knit away then. Yeah, right. When they have the, your show will resume shortly uh -huh. and it's just the logo and then background music as someone who has a love for advertising, I can't, it blows my mind that that ad inventory cannot be used. What is the deal with that? Yeah, I guess I can't get fired. So, um, <laughs> I mean, we don't have to answer it. It's, but, it's, it's, it's sales inventory, really. I mean, it, it, the, the, the digital ads weren't sold. And when, but see, it's always, it's always, it's always on stream. Yeah, it is always on stream because you, because you, the, it's a difference. It's a difference in advertising. So, like when you watch broadcasts, like you're on ESPN, sitting on your couch, yeah, eating yeah. your Cheetos, you know, yeah, on the screen, that same ad is going to everyone through the same broadcast. There's yeah. nothing dynamic about it. Where on the digital side, they're paying for eyeballs. So, yeah, you might be the they say they're going for three million impressions. 
well, you might be three million and one. Or, you know, we ran into an interesting thing with the 2016 election that no one expected, where we we had sold a ton of inventory, but the traffic was so high because of yeah. the Trump factor yep. that you're three million and one. And it's like, yep. okay, now what? We don't have anything to sell because it's it's per eyeball. It's 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 a Kleenex. It's a one use thing, right? You take it out, you use it, you toss it. And versus the broadcast, it's one size fits all on the broadcast side. Where yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Where 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 the other one's more personalized, right? Well, and and the reason why I bring this up, other than that, I just it infuriates me. It's also annoying uh, to the consumer right. to hear the same music and the same blank screen over and over and over again it's actually worse than ads right so like anyway well anytime i mean i also host marketing trends and obviously i'm the co-founder of a media company but it just grates at me and i'm like we can't this is the thing that i think every single time you can't shoehorn in some uh organic drops for your shows oh yeah that's that's what we do yeah yeah you would we would we would throw in our own ads around our own cbs all access you know like whatever right There's plenty of stuff. You have a subscription business that you can that you can advertise, right? right. Well, they didn't though. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. Um, and you know, the other interesting too, if if you want a nit to pick, is how many times you see the same ad over and over oh, yeah. and over again. I mean, you see it on broadcast, but on digital, I mean, I think it'll change. I think the trend will be that that'll go away pretty quickly once marketers start to see the value especially around the analytics of it. And especially as broadcast starts to move more toward the digital model where you really have that personalized ad placement where they're actually good units. I mean, again, like I talk to marketers all day, every day, they're dying for these type of ad units, ones that you actually watch them. Right. Right. And like, you know, another example, I'm not trying to poke people in the eye, but for the NBC sports app, which I used to watch the Warriors and the Sharks and all that stuff all the time. Right. And I see the same Honda ad a thousand times. Right. And granted, that Honda ad's doing great. I think I have it memorized about this time. Like my girlfriend hums it in the background, like, and right. stuff. So in theory, that's actually doing a great job. But but it's wild. To me. I mean, it's wild. I'm like, these are actual ad units that should be being served or that could be, uh, I mean, they are being served, but could be optimized a little bit better than this. And you just got to listen to the to the viewers a right. little bit like can we get some can we get some surveys or something well you would you would think and i think it's early days or this will just stick to the sports analogies it's early innings right in that that as marketers start to catch on and they start getting value out, out of the digital ads etc that you're going to build a bigger inventory those sales will increase and that you won't you'll see a honda ad then maybe you'll see a sleep mattress ad or and then you'll see a local ad specific to your zip code yeah or what, whatever information you share to really target it, target you, right? Versus now it's it's still very young, I yeah. think. Then that they're 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 adding it in, they're 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 catching on, but they're, they're just the inventories and there. And I think maybe it's it's the whole law of supply and demand, right? So you have the demand of people going digital and going digital first through the Apple TV, the Roku's, the Amazon fires, et cetera, is expanding and and accelerating so quickly versus the marketers and advertisers getting on the platforms to serve the ads. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, so you have a ton more eyeballs than you do ads. And I think there's, uh, can we rip on Fox too, just while we're at it? Yeah. I mean, Hey, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll just skip CBS, but just pile on CBS. I I, I, I can go all day on this stuff. 
No, and I, I think, you know, as someone who's building a media company, like we try to be extremely thoughtful and purposeful about how we do things to be, you know, listener and, and reader first or audience first with how we're serving these sort of things. Like how can you, how can you make this stuff value add? How can you make it something that people want to hear? And I think that there's, uh, yeah, like you said, this is nascent. This stuff is going to, going to skyrocket as we go, especially as you have folks like uh, other people at the table here who yeah, right. uh, ain't going to watch broadcast TV probably in her entire life. Right. Um, so, you know, you got to figure out how to reach those people. That was part one of our interview with Steve Comstock. For part two, tune in later this week. Salesforce just introduced Salesforce Blockchain, the industry's first truly declarative blockchain platform integrated into your CRM. Learn more at salesforce.com slash blockchain.